What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the program. It is episode 294 of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the program on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and you can follow our social pages on Facebook and Twitter slash X for the latest updates. Uh, Great to be back with you folks uh, in the new year, 2024. I want to extend a happy new year to all of our uh, listeners and uh, really looking forward to this year. I think it'll be an exciting, uh, exciting year for the podcast. So uh, great to be back uh, again, obviously. I want to thank the people that submitted questions uh, for Guest Friday a couple weeks ago. So that was great to get some questions before uh, the new year, 2024. We took a break last week. Hope everyone had a safe, uh, happy and healthy holiday. Uh, season. So we're back 2024. Uh, really looking forward to this week back with the program uh, today, guest Friday later this week. Got a returning guest coming back. Uh, it's been a while that uh, it's been a while since we've spoken uh, to this guest, but they'll be coming back uh, talking Bruins as we are approaching kind of the midway point of the season. So it'd be good check in with uh, this particular person on how they think the Bruins season is going. So Really excited for that. That'll be later this week. Catch that on uh, Friday at some point. Be on the lookout for that on Friday. So without further ado, we're going to get going to all the uh, local teams here. Um, And obviously, I'm not going to go back and talk about all the games that happened, um, you know, over the last week plus. Um, You know, clearly, as as we'll start with the Patriots, clearly, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on the uh, Broncos game that they won on Christmas Eve, which was a great win, great game uh, for the team to win on the road. Um, You know, probably we'll focus a bit on the Bills game and kind of just like thoughts for Sunday and then going forward. You know, I think that unfortunately the way the season's gone for the Patriots, there's kind of been a lot more time for thinking about the future, you know, with this team falling out of the playoff chase very quickly, you know, and kind of clearly looking like, okay, playoffs are not going to be, they're not going to be in the cards for this team. And so, you know, what happens after the season? And I think fortunately, or or I would say, unfortunately, honestly, I think there's been a lot of, you know, speculation and stuff lying around that I think unfortunately takes away from paying attention to the actual team. And I recognize that, yeah, it's a lot easier to I think get caught up into all the rumors and speculation if the team isn't good, you know, and I think it's kind of easier to get caught up in that. But I think me personally, I've tried to stay kind of focused on the team and kind of game to game and kind of the things that I've noticed. And I think, honestly, the last four games that you've seen this team play, I think they look like a better team than the team that went, you know, if they're... 2-2 Two and two in their last four, the team that went two and ten in the first twelve games. And I think you're seeing a group that I think is what I think is great about this year's team is despite the record, despite them being two and ten, there still has been a commitment from certain guys to continue to get better and you know prove that they belong in the league, prove that they belong with this team. And I think there's a lot of positive to be said for that where you could easily have this team that just packed it in at two and 10 and said, you know what, whatever the rest of the season doesn't matter. We're just going to play it out. You know, nothing really matters, but it's like this team, they, they deserve a lot of credit for the wins in Pittsburgh, the wins in Denver or the, the wins in Pittsburgh and Denver, because you know, honestly, Looking at those games at the beginning of the season, I kind of thought they would lose those games, you know, and it's kind of ironic that two of, I thought, the mo- two of the most difficult games on their schedule, I thought, they've won both, and they've won them in kind of a, you know, interesting kind of close game fashion where they've had to kind of hang on, but hey, wins are wins, and I think of this team that's played 11 one-score games this year, and only won four, it's like, you'll take those. You know, I think, man, if you think about 11 of the 16 games that this team has played have been 
one possession games. And it's kind of wild that, you know, yeah, this team has lost a lot of one score games, but they've been in a lot of those games too. So, you know, I think despite the loss to Buffalo, that was very frustrating. And I think very kind of a microcosm of their season where, you know, you had all those turnovers and just unable to take care of the football in the first, you know, 20 minutes or so of the game really screwed them, you know, didn't give them a chance to really have a chance. I think it's admirable that Bailey Zappi and the offense stuck with it and were able to, you know, get a couple touchdown drives going in the second half. But, you know, you can't win football games when you turn it over, you know, four times or three times in the first half, whatever it was. You know, and that's that's for any team, you know. So I think that there have been flashes. There have been positive flashes over the last four games where, you know, obviously they've won a couple games. They've done some things well. And I think I've really liked the defense um, on Sunday. I really thought that obviously put in a very, very difficult position with all the turnovers, but the defense held the Bills to a couple field goals. Josh Allen really didn't, you know, really didn't do much in this game. You know, did have the couple of rushing touchdowns, but it's like the Patriots really did a good job defending him. And I think, you know, of of the last couple of years, watching the Patriots and the Bills, you know, seeing Josh Allen really dominate the Patriots defense, this defense, I think, has started to figure him out a little bit. I think a little bit in that Buffalo game earlier this year. And then obviously on Sunday, it's like, okay, this is a team that even despite major guys missing, you know, this is a team that's played majority of the season without Judon, without Gonzalez, two of their very best defensive players. You know, you're trotting out a secondary on Sunday with Sean Wade and Alex Austin Guys that, like, Alex Austin, I'll be honest, I wasn't even, I didn't even know he was an NFL player at the start of the season. You know, I didn't know who that was. You know, Sean Wade, I knew that was kind of a depth piece in the secondary. Didn't really expect him to be starting games in December. And it's like, okay, this is a defense that's trotting out those guys, you know, in their, in their secondary you know, in a game without Jabril Peppers, too. You know, it's like this is a defense that is very, very good. And it just kind of is, it's just kind of interesting. And I understand that a lot of the people's frustration with Bill Belichick is the offense and how much it struggled, you know, this season. But it's like, they still have a very good defense. They still have very good players on defense. And so... I understand to a point, you know, the people complaining about the Patriots' inability to have a, you know, number one receiver or game breakers or whatever the term is on offense, but they they do a pretty good job of bringing in really good defensive players, you know, drafted Gonzalez, drafted Barmore. I mean, he's playing unbelievable football right now, you know, bringing in Judon, bringing in Jalen Mills, who's been pretty solid, you know, you go down the list of the last couple of years, they brought in some good defensive players. So it's just kind of like, it's just kind of an interesting thing where it's like, yes, clearly offensively, they've had their problems with developing talent or drafting talent or whatever, but it's like, it's not really affected the defense. Like they're still bringing in some good players. So it's just kind of an interesting thing to think about. But I think, yes, clearly offensively there need to be changes and I do expect that there are going to be major changes I do think that the quarterback position probably involves taking a quarterback in the first round of the draft probably involves drafting a left tackle probably involves you know dipping into the wide receiver market in free agency or see if you can work a trade for uh, like a Jerry Judy or a T. Higgins, 
someone like that. You know, I think there are things that they do need to identify, but I think that like there are some pieces that you can identify and be like, okay, these guys, they have something with this player. I think that even includes offensively. I think that, you know, Oweno has been a really good offensive lineman. Ramondre Stevenson, I think, despite the, the injury that he'll probably, that he'll miss, that he's, like, missed the last couple of games, will miss the last game. But, I don't know, he's a pretty good player. Demario Douglas, like, despite all the, you know, negativity and, you know, everything that's gone wrong with the offense... He's quietly set the team record for receiving yards by a rookie. So it's like, okay, like they have some pieces here. You know, I just, I think I just get frustrated when we act like they have nothing on offense, where it's like they have no good players. And it's like, there are guys where it's like in the right role. They can be very effective. You're seeing that with Devontae Parker, some of the games that he's played with, Bailey Zappi, and it's like, I'm not saying that he needs to kind of be your number one guy, but it's like if he's like your number two or your number three, like you might be in pretty good shape. And it's like I think me personally, I think that we've yet to see the best of Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, he'll probably won't finish the season on the field, but it's like I think he's battled with some injuries and inconsistent play, but it's like, you see what he can do in the offseason. You know, I think that there are pieces on offense where you have something there. And obviously you need to build off of it. But it's like, I don't think this team is that far off. Like, I think with the correct moves, there's no reason to think that they can't at least be in the conversation for being a playoff team next year if they you know, make the correct moves. Because it's like, look, you look at all the teams in the AFC that have kind of been in the mix pretty much all season. There's no reason to think that the Patriots couldn't be at least a little bit better than this year's team. And, you know, for example, look at the Raiders. They're 7-9. and nine. They were in the playoff chase. You know, I think they got eliminated this past week. But it's like, there's no reason the Patriots can't be like maybe a little bit better than that team, you know, and it's, I'm using the Raiders as an example, but it's like, do you really think it's like inconceivable to think this team like would be incapable of winning eight games next year? I don't think so. Like, I think looking at all those one score games that they played four and seven in those games, you flip two of those games and this team is, six and ten going into the last game and it's like probably a pretty good chance you beat the Jets so it's like okay then you're looking at seven and ten and it's like so it's just like it's easy to look at the record again easy to look at the record and say this team stinks worst season in a long time which isn't isn't necessarily false but I think you have to consider context and consider a lot of different things before you just say it's simply, oh, the record sucks, you have to fire Belichick, or you have to do this or that. It's like, you can make some big tweaks and still kind of be in contention. There's nothing wrong with being that type of team. No one's saying that you have to flip the team and win 13 games next year. No one's saying that you have to do that. I think it's just getting back to being a football team that plays the game the right way and doesn't shoot themselves in the foot, you know, and I think hopefully with a good off season, we can go into next season and hopefully have a team that takes better care of the ball. Cause I think that really that's been the number one problem with this year's team is too many turnovers and you know, whatever that is with bad quarterback play or, you know, bad special teams play, things like that. I think that with the right mix of players, you could be on the right track. I just think if we're talking about future, this team and find maybe finding a new coach, 
it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to kind of build back a, a winning team because it's like I just I just feel like their path to being in contention again it's longer it's a longer path or it's a more difficult path with a different coach I think at least if you have the coach that's been here for a while you know is already familiar with how the team works just I think that there there is there's a better path to getting back to contention if the head coach remains here who knows you know I think it's going to be an interesting off season but me personally and I've said this many times over the last couple of months I think he's still here coaching the team next year and I think it's going to surprise a lot of people and you're probably going to see a lot of dramatic things in the newspaper uh you know uh after the Patriots Jets game you're probably going to hear a lot of things you know and who knows you know I think I'm not really sure anyone really knows the truth or really knows what's going to happen you know and whatever happens happens but I just will say don't be surprised if Bill Belichick is you know remaining the coach of this team despite what people might tell you on the radio despite what people might tell you in the newspaper so you know, I think in terms of this Jets game, I think it's important for this team to finish the season on a high because you've looked at the team the last couple of years. They kind of have hit hard times at the end of the season that they've been unable to close out the season strongly. And that even goes back to 2019 when Tom Brady was here. Like, they haven't been able to close out a season well. And it's like, you win this game against the Jets, you're three and two in your last five, and it's like, okay, that might be something that you can build off of going into next season. And I've said this before. Don't really care about the draft position. Never really been a tanking person, and I'm not really gonna start now. And I think it's better for this team if they go out and try to compete and try to finish the season strong than worry about where you're going to end up in the draft because it's like honestly you look at some of these teams that might end up where the Patriots are picking you know if you're worried about a quarterback like you look at some of those teams I don't really know if all of them are taking a quarterback Washington probably the most likely to take a quarterback but you look at Chicago who's going to get the first pick thanks to the Panthers being bad Justin Fields probably stays in Chicago. You look at Arizona. I feel like Kyler Murray might stay there. You know? Even some other teams. Tennessee drafted a quarterback last year in Will Levis. I don't think they're drafting a quarterback. The Chargers have Justin Herbert. I don't think they're drafting a quarterback. The Giants? Possibly. I could see that happening, but I'd be surprised. The Patriots, yes, I think clearly, but it's like, you think about those other teams, like, I don't know, the Patriots may have a chance to, you know, pick one of those top guys despite maybe having the fourth, fifth, or sixth pick, whatever they end up with. So it's like, I honestly don't really care about draft position because they're going to have a good opportunity to pick a really good player. And isn't that the point, you know? So, I am going to root for this team to finish the season strong because I think it's important for this group. And who knows, it may tip the scales in favor of Bill Belichick staying that Kraft can see, okay, despite all these things that have gone poorly, we've, we still were able to finish the season strong. And I think that's going to go a long way. So, we'll see what happens against the Jets, but... If you know anything about Bill Belichick, he loves beating the Jets. And I think that uh, this team is going to be pretty motivated to, you know, get that final win of the season and, you know, hopefully get a win on home field, go into the offseason, feeling good about your, your prospects for next year's. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be it. And we'll talk plenty more about the... Uh, Patriots future, you know, next week after the 
the Jets game, but that's what it is, Patriots-Jets, Sunday, 1 p.m. on Fox, and that will be the end of the regular season. And yeah, you know, as I said, the people in the newspaper, people on the radio, they're going to be saying a lot of stuff this offseason about uh, Bill Belichick's future. I just will say, don't believe everything you read, don't believe everything you hear. So we'll see what happens, uh, but... Yeah, Patriots-Jets, Sunday, 1 o'clock, final game of the regular season. So we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the Celtics. So this is where I may not go back and talk about all the games that have happened uh, since we last spoke. But I think, for the most part, been very impressed with the team's recent run of play, I think. Both games against Detroit and Toronto, closer than they needed to be. Celtics kind of let go of the rope a little bit against Toronto. But, you know, I think, look, it's a long season. You know, close games against teams that you should beat are going to happen. I just will also say for Detroit, I kind of agreed. You know, if you watch the broadcast, you know, Brian Scalabrini talking a lot about Kind of hard to believe that Detroit, you know, lost, was it 27, 28 in a row? It's kind of hard to believe because it's like, look, and I'm not trying to say that they're like a great team or anything, but it's like you look at some of the talent that they have and how hard they played against the Celtics. It's like kind of shocking that they lost that many games. It really didn't seem like that team was that bad. And yes, they are one of the worst teams in the league, but it's like, Night in and night out in the NBA, it's like, I don't think it's that difficult to win a game. So, uh, but I think anyway, for the Celtics, it's like sometimes good to have those types of games where you have to compete really hard against a team like that. And I think credit to them for being able to make plays down the stretch, you know, be able to get the big shots from Porzingis and Derek White. And it just, I'm sure that I've talked about this plenty. Uh, through the first 32 games, but just this Celtics ability to have Porzingis when he's available to score in the post and shoot over most guys is just such a great advantage that they have and something that I've not seen, we've not seen with this team really, I think, ever. You know, this current like constituted team, the Tatum and Brown era. They really haven't had someone like Porzingis. They really haven't had someone with his skill set. And I just will say, yes, I think that loss to Golden State was really frustrating. I think a game that, you know, games like that are going to happen. They are going to kind of creep in where the Celtics kind of let go of the rope and kind of and, and lose. But Porzingis didn't play in that game. I kind of think if he was healthy and playing, the Celtics would have had a better chance. Probably would have won. Um, But I think just thinking about his skill set is just such a plus for this team that, you know, it takes so much more of a scoring load off of Jalen and Jason. Um, I just also think trading Marcus Smart also... kind of take some of the, not pressure, but like the the Celtics are really letting Derek White blossom and really letting him have more of an opportunity. And he's been unbelievable. I think there's a very good chance he might even make the all-star team, which is crazy to even think about, but it's like, or crazy to think about at the beginning of the season, but you know, they, they've let him spread his, spread his wings and he's been unbelievable. I mean, I thought he was great last season. I thought he was fantastic in the playoffs. I didn't think I didn't think he was going to get better, you know. And it's like at times he's been their best player, which is crazy to say when it's like you have a team of Tatum and Brown, Porzingis and Holiday, and like Derek White, arguably the fifth best player, can play or play like your best player, which is crazy. But it's like I think the. The growth of this year's team, I think, is really noticeable. And I think, 
thinking about that Golden State loss, the Celtics have ran off six in a row. You know, have really bounced back, and I think really were impressive on that West Coast road trip. That they were able to take a tough loss, bounce back the next night, and hang 144 points on a pretty good Sacramento team without Jason Tatum. And then the Celtics top it three days later, going to L.A. to play the Clippers, drop 145 without Jalen Brown. And then the Christmas Day game where the Celtics were just awesome in the second half. It just is like, this feels like a really, really different team than last year. I think despite the record being kind of similar, you just, it's just a fun team to watch. You know, so many guys that really are just enjoying playing basketball and enjoying kind of going hard and playing hard and enjoying playing with each other. And I think, not that this team did not enjoy playing together last year, but it just seems like it's such a breath of fresh air that it's like, look, maybe this team did need to get rid of Marcus Smart to kind of re- kind of just have something different. And it's not it's not a negative against Marcus because I think he's always going to be like a fan favorite to a lot of people and people are really appreciative of the things that he did. And I certainly am too, but I think sometimes change can be the best, can be the best thing for a team like this, where something that you kind of worry about maybe at first, you know, and wonder how is the team going to react, but I think they're better for it. I really think that they are. And I think, you know, this month of January is going to be pretty challenging for this team. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I think that, yes, there's something to be said for, okay, their record of the opponent's record the the rest of the season isn't great, but it's like, you had some teams that I think could could give you issues. Um, But I think it's a pretty interesting schedule this month, and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they do starting tonight. Um, in Oklahoma City, Celtics against the Thunder. That's a pretty good Thunder team. Celtics are going to be pretty busy um, in the first couple of weeks with a couple of back-to-backs in January. So Oklahoma City, Utah, Indiana, Indiana. So a couple games against the Pacers, which I think could be a challenge. Pacers have given the Celtics some good games uh, recently, so... That'll be interesting to see, but I just think great to see this team really playing at a high level. You know, no issues with the San Antonio game. Celtics blew them away. Just fascinating to watch Wembenyama. Um, there was one particular play where, ironically, Derek White tried to chase him down and block it, but he basically takes two steps from the free throw line and dunks it like the easy. It, it was the most ridiculous play. I've ever seen where it's like the guy's seven four and just made that look so easy. You know, just you got you, you marvel at at someone like that that, you know, is just so so big and so agile and it's like it's just it's gonna it's gonna be wild to think about Wembenyama when he reaches his prime when, you know, hopefully still being on that Spurs, that Spurs team becomes really good. And you get to see him and be excited. So uh, definitely marveled at him, but the Celtics definitely took control of this game, took command of it, and I think really pleased with uh, that effort. So it'll be interesting to see how the Celtics finish on, uh, finish the little road trip here in Oklahoma City. That's a very good Oklahoma City team uh, that they're playing tonight. So... Um, expect a very good game. I think Oklahoma City is a team that I think is going to be very, very good this season. Uh, could be a sneaky finals preview. I'm not joking. I think that Thunder team is really, really good. So uh, it'll be an, it, exciting to watch. Um, then the Celtics are back home Friday against Utah, and then they're back out on the road against Indiana for a couple 
Saturday and Monday. So, you know, I think one last little Celtics thought. I think that um, it will be interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline, what the Celtics do with the draft picks that they still have. They still have this year's first-round pick, so could be interesting to see if they utilize that uh, trade exception that they have uh, thanks to the Grant Williams trade that they have, I think, about $6 million. So I think it's something like they can acquire a player making up to $6.2 million. So be interesting to see if someone fits into there. Uh, I do expect the Celtics to bring someone in. If they don't, though, not the worst thing either because I think this is a really good basketball team. I know, shocker, but I do think that this is a team that maybe could use some more shooting off the bench. You know, I think that Pritchard and Hauser can sometimes go through cold spells, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I do think that, you know, th- this this team's top players are going to remain their top players, and if they get someone at the deadline, it's going to be someone that will kind of just be like an eighth or a ninth guy, someone just that maybe gives you that extra oomph um, as you get ready for the playoffs. So yeah, Celtics with game against the Thunder tonight, so it'll be interesting to watch how they do. So we will move on, talk a little bit about the local hockey team, who I think really used that winter or uh, Christmas break uh, to their advantage. The Bruins uh, came into that uh, Christmas break having lost four in a row, and um, I think the largest, longest losing streak under Jim Montgomery, which was kind of hard to believe, but I think a couple of disappointing games, Bruins uh, blowing third-period leads against the Rangers in the wild. Um, so I think pretty disappointed. And then roads, road games against Winnipeg and Minnesota, where they really got outplayed. Um, so I think the break came at the perfect time because I think this team refound, regained some of their mojo, playing excellent hockey the last three games. And look, I think part of this is due to the teams that they have been playing. Not the best defensive teams. You know, I think the Bruins have, uh, to their credit though, they've done a good job of taking advantage of these soft matchups and taking advantage of defensive cores that they should be taking advantage of. So I think the break was great. It's great to see them kind of back to playing some really solid offensive hockey. Um, I think that this is a team that with, I think, the current roster that they have, they're going to go through stretches where they're really cold and then they're really hot. And I think, fortunately, right now, they're in kind of a hot pocket where, you know, you're seeing guys like Trent Frederick really step up. Jake DeBrusque has played really well over the last couple of games. I was very, very critical of him a couple of weeks ago, but he's been really good. He's really responded, um, played really well in that Devils game. Got another point in Detroit, had an assist, I believe. So, you know, points in three straight games for him, which I think is really important for his for his game, for his confidence. He scored um, in this game against Detroit. So, you know, very pleased with his response. Very pleased with the team's response because I think, you know, it's going to be a year where it's going to be challenging where, you know, it's obviously not going to be as easy as last year. I think the regular season was kind of easy for this team, but I think what's good for this team, I think, is going through some adversity, going through some losses, going through a time where it's like it really was frustrating to watch them for a couple of games, but then it's like, okay, give them a couple of days and they're right back to playing the way that they should play. You know, I think the I think that their play was pretty uneven for a pretty pretty long period of time. I think really for me since that Florida win on November twenty second, the Bruins have kind of if they were 
14-1-3 after that game. They've gone 8-6-3 since. Still a winning record, but I think kind of uneven, kind of close to around 500. But I think in the last three games, you've really seen a refocused team that's playing hard, getting chances, capitalizing on their chances, I think has something to do with the defenses that they've been playing against. But it just seems like they have that extra kind of kind of oomph. Um, and it was really noticeable in Buffalo. I don't know what it is about the Bruins playing in that building, but they always just dominate the Sabres. And I think that was a really good kind of get-right game where it's like, okay, you're playing against a team that you should beat and you should dominate, and they did. Um, New Jersey, they completely outplayed the Devils for that in majority of that game. Uh, it was very noticeable. It was noticeable physically being there in the stands, watching that game live, which was awesome. But, you know, they really outplayed the Devils for the last uh, 40 minutes of the game. You know, first 20 minutes, it was kind of just even, but they dominated the last 40. Uh, the second period was awesome. Bruins with four goals in that period. Um, and then I think a difficult difficult ask for this team to go to Detroit, you know, and go to go and play against a team that's given you issues this year. You go in, you know, less than 24 hours, you know, since, since the last start time. So the start time Saturday was seven o'clock, played Sunday at five. And it was like, okay, the Bruins really stepped up to the challenge. And I thought really kind of stepped up to Detroit trying to kind of play a little bit physical and trying to intimidate them, and the Bruins didn't back down. So I was really impressed with that game. So I am curious tonight in Columbus. I think it's a trap game. Columbus is not very good. Bruins did not play well the last time in Columbus. So we'll see what happens tonight. But I think great to see them kind of get back on track after that four-game losing streak. And I think they're back on track. And they'll get another really favorable matchup against Columbus and against Pittsburgh later this week, too, before the Bruins go on a pretty interesting uh, West Coast road trip. Or not West Coast, but kind of playing some teams out West, including Colorado and Vegas. Uh, So the rest of the week, Bruins are in Columbus tonight, home against Pittsburgh Thursday, home against Tampa Bay, on Saturday, and then they're in Colorado next Monday night. So I think personally, one of the, I think, reasons for the offense kind of sputtering out was Matt Potter going to play for Team Canada and the World Juniors at the Bruins kind of losing some of his offensive abilities and kind of, uh, you know, having to deal with not having him in the lineup. And I think someone like Morgan Geeky has responded and played well. Um, very curious about what happens once Patra comes back, because Pavel Zaka obviously is back. Geeky, I think, has played well with David Pasternak. And then you got Merkulov, who's uh, made his NHL debut Saturday, played in Detroit. I thought he was pretty good in both games. You probably think that Merkulov gets sent down once Patra comes back, but I think it's a good opportunity for him uh, to get in some games. He's been lighting it up in the AHL, so really good to see him in action, get him a couple games. Um, so I think for, for this team, it's just continuing to kind of build off the consistency of the recent games and, you know, see what they can do with some of these really tough opponents that are coming up. You know, Pittsburgh, always a tough game. Tampa Bay, always a tough game. You got Colorado, Vegas, and Arizona. Arizona's been a pretty good team this year. So I think after this Columbus game, you got four games. You got five games in a row. That could be really, really challenging. So we'll see what happens tonight in Columbus. Don't believe that Linus Olmark will likely get the start. Uh, Bruins playing a Blue Jackets team that is not very good, so hopefully they can take advantage of 
some of the favorable matchups. There's something in the stats I was going to look at and talk about. Well, Charlie Coyle been really impressed. 26 points in 35 games. Pavel Zaka's back after missing a couple. Uh, Bruins are starting to see some um, offensive production from Kevin Shattenkirk, which is really not good to see. Um, I think this team needs all the scoring they can get from the defensemen. I think the Bruins would like to see more, but I think it's good to see Lowry, you know, get in some games. Uh, you know, Derek Forbert's still out with, I think, a lower body injury. I'm not sure, but it's been interesting to see Lowry get in all these games. He's played 20 games so far. Um, and I do think Parker Watherspoon, the games that he's played, he's been pretty serviceable. Um, Ian Mitchell as well. So, you know, I think some of the guys that I didn't think were going to play this much, I think have really impressed in some of their little bits of play. But I think, you know, someone like Lindholm, someone like McAvoy, would like to see a little bit more scoring from them. McAvoy obviously has great assist numbers, but would like to see him score some more goals. Um, Lindholm, I think, just would like to see more points from him. I think that it just may it just may not be a good year for him. You know that I think last season with all the time without McAvoy, he really shined, um, and I think. It could just be that it's just a change, and it's just one of those years. You know, guys go through tough years all the time. Guys are not going to be elite year in and year out. I mean, I think that Lindholm is a pretty good defenseman. I wouldn't say that he's elite. I think he's pretty good. Um, you know, someone like Pasternak, it's like you expect him to be really good year after year. But I think, you know, Lindholm, guys like that, they can go through tough seasons where it just not a lot goes right for them. You know, Brandon Carlo, I think, has had some years like that. He's been really solid the last couple of years, but it's like he's had a, he, I think, had a couple of years where he kind of just was okay. But I think, you know, he's been pretty solid. You know, plus 14, highest on the team. And yes, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, plus minus doesn't mean anything, but I think it does kind of mean a little bit. It maybe doesn't mean as much as it really, I mean, I just think that like, it's still an important step, but maybe it's not the biggest indicator of how good a player is, but it still is kind of an indicator. So, you know, he's been really solid, just really solid, really as advertised, never going to really be someone that's going to score a lot of points, but I think someone that really you can rely on to be kind of that shutdown guy where it's like that is his role to be a shutdown guy. And, you know, ideally you have your Lindholms and McAvoy's kind of doing everything. So really impressed with Carlo this season. So I think, yeah, most interested to see once Potcher returns, how do the Bruins, you know, get him back into the lineup? Um, I think I think that you would think Zaka probably returns to the top line uh, to play with Pasternak, but I think he and Geeky and Pasta have been a pretty good trio recently, so interesting to see. But yes, Bruins tonight in Columbus, 7 o'clock start on Nesson. So we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the Red Sox. And yes, they have made a couple of moves. Um, most notably trading uh, Chris Sale a couple days ago to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for Vaughn Grissom as an infield uh, prospect and also the son of Marquise Grissom, former Major League player. So that was kind of the big news on Saturday afternoon, Red Sox dealing sale to the Braves, and I think, you know, yeah, I think it's it's difficult to kind of uh, well, I think Saturday. I think I think that looking at this trade in in a vacuum, it's a good trade uh, because I think the Red Sox are 
acquiring a player that I think could be really, really good. Um, and I think you're, you're, you're trading a guy who's been pretty injury-prone the last couple of years and I think has not really been super reliable. And so I think you're getting better from, I think, a pure player standpoint. You know, I think that Atlanta's a pretty good spot for Chris Sale uh, because I think it's not... He's not being relied upon to be even like a front-end starter. You know, they're probably going to have him being the third or fourth starter, if that. So it's like he's not being asked to kind of be that front-line guy that the Red Sox have asked him to be kind of strangely over the last couple of years considering his, you know, track record. Uh, but I think I think Von Grissom's a pretty good prospect, and could be someone that could immediately play at second base, kind of takes care of one of your needs, I think, coming into the offseason. So I think that it's a good trade. I think the difficult part I'm having is it's kind of a... Chris Sale is kind of just a complicated player to, you know, think about what his legacy is with this team. Because obviously you saw him at his absolute best when he, the first year that he got traded here and. 2017, he was unbelievable. You know, one of the best pitchers in baseball. 2018, kind of had some issues toward the end of the season. You know, finishes the playoffs in the bullpen. You know, strikes out the side to win the World Series. And it's like, this guy's been really good. And then goes through all these years with these major injuries. And at a certain point, some of these injuries, you know, just started to be more and more kind of you know, respectfully kind of unbelievable injuries that were kind of just like, man, like how can it get worse? And so it's just kind of a complicated legacy for him where I think he was at the top of his game and then kind of at the lowest where he was getting hurt all the time. You know, I think the the most frustrating injury for me, I think, was if it was either last year or two years ago when he comes back, pitches against the Yankees and had been pitching pretty well after he comes back, takes a line drive, you know, off his off his hand or whatever it was and, you know, was done. You know, had the bike accident, had just all these other things where it's like you wonder what could have been if he had been healthy the entire time. So you know, it's just a complicated legacy with him. But, you know, I think in a vacuum, it's a good trade uh, for the Red Sox. Um, and then the Red Sox obviously made, in addition to their pitching staff, signing Lucas Giolito to a two-year deal. Uh, previously pitched in, previously pitched in Chicago and um, they, in, in the pitched for the White Sox and the Angels um, in Cleveland as well, kind of was just kind of a lost season for him as he pitched. Um, did pitch a lot of innings last year, which I think is a good thing for the Red Sox because they need innings guys. Um, but not a great year for him as he pitched. Um Um, uh, sorry, pitched uh, to a 4.88 ERA, um, gave up 41 home runs, um, and the year prior actually had not been great either for 4.90 ERA, 160 innings. Uh, but before that, you know, was a very good starter, was one of the better pitchers in baseball, you know, Cy Young votes. Um, and I think the Red Sox certainly are kind of banking that he can get back to, you know, being that pitcher, you know, not the one that you've seen over the last two years. So, uh, you know, the Red Sox certainly taking a chance on him. I don't hate that, but, you know, I kind of, I kind of would have thought that this would be kind of a nut, like you would, you would target a different pitcher as kind of like your, your leading guy like a Blake Snell, like a Jordan Montgomery, or like a another pitcher that, you know, maybe was more of a frontline guy. And it's like, Giolito was a frontline guy a couple of years ago, but it's like, 
you kind of wonder if the last couple of years, is that more of an indicator of where he's at, where it's like, okay, I would think I'd be fine if the Red Sox signed, you know, Snell and Giolito, where it's like, okay, Snell's going to be your front of the rotation kind of guy, and then Giolito's kind of like your third or fourth. You know, the Red Sox could still till could still sign kind of a front-of-the-line guy, um, but I think, you know, cl- clearly the rotation needs more than just Giolito. But I will say, even despite the struggles the last two years, pitching a lot of innings, and the Red Sox need guys that can pitch a lot of innings. So, you know, who knows? could be kind of a change of scenery thing that maybe there was a lot of pressure on him last last year bouncing between different teams, but I think, you know, kind of a medium risk, kind of high reward, you know, I'd say medium risk with the type of money that they're giving him, but I think it's it's a solid move, but I think this team needs more in the pitching rotation uh, to really kind of get back to where they need to be, but I think I give Craig Breslow credit for that trade of Chris Sale, and I think it must have been kind of a difficult trade, uh, but I think it was a smart move and, you know, hopefully pays off, and hopefully Von Grissom is here for a while and is a, a really good, really good player for the team. So we'll see what else the Red Sox do over the next couple of weeks. I would think that they'll be a little bit more aggressive, maybe sign another starter, kind of figure out what they're going to do offensively because they have a couple more kind of questions, things that they have to deal with. So we will move on. We'll talk a little bit about the Revolution, whose schedule released recently. We're not going to, you know, break it down game by game, but just some games on the schedule. Revolution will play in the CONCACAF Champions Cup that starts in February, so the Revs will have two legs against a team team from Mexico, I believe. Um, and then the Revs will open MLS play on February 24th against DC United. And then the Revs' first game is Sunday, March 3rd, against Toronto FC. Revolution will be visited by Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami on April 27th. So definitely mark that date in your calendar. Um, And then the Revs will be traveling to Miami for the final game of the regular season in October. Revolution plan. Number of matches in March, April, May, and June. In July, the uh, MLS play will break for about a month as the League's Cup gets underway, and the Revs will play in that, so that's why there are only two games on the schedule in August, and then, as I said, the Revs will close out the regular season October 19th against Messi and Inter-Miami, so just taking a look at some of the games, and so I think I'm going to move on quickly, Talk talk about some NFL notes quickly before we get to taking a look at the scores and some standings. Um, so Bradley Chubb, unfortunately, uh, tore his ACL in the Dolphins game Sunday afternoon against the Dolphins, or Sunday afternoon against the Ravens. Really a boneheaded decision uh, to leave him in the game, as they think he was hurt with three or four minutes to go, and that game was well decided. So a pretty, pretty questionable decision by Mike McDaniel and that coaching staff to leave him in the game. I kind of still can't believe that that was even a discussion. So uh, really big blow for the Dolphins. Uh, 49ers are ruling out Christian McCaffrey next week, although they have clinched the number one seed in the NFC. So, yes, we'll take a look at some of the scores from this past week. On uh, Thursday, the Browns uh, beat the Jets and clinched a spot in the playoffs with the win, 37-20. Joe Flacco, the former Jets quarterback, with three touchdown passes, 
So the Browns improved to 11 and 5, 8 and 1 at home. Could be an interesting team in the playoffs. Uh, Saturday night, the Cowboys beat the Lions after a controversial call on a two point conversion that the Lions tried. Uh, were successful. It was ruled that the lineman was ineligible, kind of a weird play there, but Cowboys hang on to win 20-19, to and they just need a win in their final game to clinch, uh, clinch the division. Both teams are at 11-5. Bears improved to 7-9 with the win. Justin Fields with another really good game. I think he's a big reason why I don't think the Bears are taking a quarterback with that first pick. Um, so they beat the Falcons 37-17. The Colts knock the Raiders out of the playoffs as they win 23-20, despite a big game from Devontae Adams. The Rams getting closer to a playoff spot as they nip the Giants 26-25. Good game for Kyron Williams. The Rams had three rushing touchdowns. The Cardinals pull off the upset over the Eagles, 35-31. James Conner, Kyler Murray, both really good games. Kyler Murray, I think also another reason why I don't think they will take a quarterback. I think that they'll stick with him as the Cardinals win their fourth game of the season. Uh, the Saints beat the Buccaneers 23-13, although the Buccaneers still with a very good chance to make the playoffs if they're able to beat the Panthers in the final game of the season. 49ers beat the Commanders 27-10. Jaguars shut out the Panthers 26-0. Ravens beat the Dolphins 56-19. Lamar Jackson, I think, cementing his MVP award, I think, with this game, with five touchdown passes in the win. Uh, the Texans beat the Titans 26-3. They stay alive for a potential playoff spot, as do the Steelers. They beat the Seahawks on the road. 30 to 23. The Broncos beating the Chargers 16 to 9. They stay alive as Jared Stidham has taken over the starting quarterback position from Russell Wilson. The Chiefs clinching the division with a 25 17 win over the Bengals, and then the Packers beating the Vikings 33 10 as they stay alive in the playoffs. So, taking a look at the standings as we enter the final week of the season. In the AFC, the Ravens have clinched the number one seed. The Chiefs have clinched the number three seed. Cleveland has clinched the number five seed. So still up for grabs. The Dolphins and the Bills will play for the division as they are still, or their seeding could still change. So taking a look at the standings, Overall, you got the Dolphins, or you got the Ravens first, Dolphins second, Chiefs third, Jaguars fourth, and then the Browns, the Bills, and the Colts in the wild card positions. But you still have Houston and Pittsburgh still alive, as they could possibly, as they could possibly steal a playoff spot, depending on what happens with the other games. And then in the NFC, you have San Francisco locked in as that number one seed, followed by Cowboys and the Lions, the Buccaneers, the Eagles, the Rams, and the Packers. So five teams have clinched a playoff spot in the NFC. The only teams that haven't would be the NFC South winner, which at the moment the Buccaneers are the leader, and then that final wild card spot, which is held by the Packers. So you still have a possibility of the Seahawks, Saints, Vikings, and the Falcons all still alive, thanks to some tiebreakers. So depending on the team, they either have a chance to win the division or get that last wild card spot. So I think the simplest way for Tampa Bay and Green Bay to get in is to win. And then I think same thing for the Bills and the Colts in the, in the AFC possibility the Bills miss the playoffs. I think if there's a tiebreaker that lines up that way. So that'll be interesting. Bills and Dolphins do play Sunday night football week 18 to finish the season. So it'll be interesting to see how that game goes. 
Um, but I think, yeah, you know, interesting about this year that still a lot of teams alive for a final uh, playoff spot. So we'll take a look at some NBA notes. OG Ananobi delivers in his debut as the Knicks beat the Wolves. So he was traded from the Raptors to the Knicks. Raptors acquiring both R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly um, as they were actually able to beat the Cavaliers in their Raptors debut. And I think... Yeah, we'll take a look at some NBA games. NBA games tonight. Charlotte and Philadelphia, or excuse me, Chicago and Philadelphia play at 7 o'clock on NBA TV. And at 8 o'clock, you have San Antonio, Memphis, Brooklyn, New Orleans, 10 o'clock, Charlotte and Sacramento, and then another 10 o'clock game, Magic and the Warriors on NBA TV. Take a quick look at the standings. Celtics with a two-and-a-half game lead over the Bucks for first place in the Eastern Conference, followed by the Sixers, the Magic, the Heat, and the Pacers, and then the play-in positions. Get the Cavaliers, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Chicago Bulls. In the Western Conference, the Timberwolves still lead the conference by a game-and-a-half over both the Thunder and the Nuggets. And then following them, the Clippers, the Kings, and the Pelicans. And then the play-in spots, Dallas, Phoenix, Houston, and Los Angeles with the Lakers. So take a look at some NHL notes. The Winter Classic was yesterday. Great scene in Seattle as the Kraken beat the Knights 3-0. Joey Decord gets the shutout. So pretty, pretty exciting scene out there in Seattle. I think the... Unfortunately, I think in my opinion, the Winter Classic has kind of lost a little bit of its luster, but really cool to see it in a totally new place um, in Seattle. So it was great to see them get the win in their first appearance in the Winter Classic. Um, so they win 3 nothing, And the Maple Leafs are sending Elias Samsonov to the AHL after his struggles this season. Um and Marc-Andre Fleury reached the uh, 1,000th game plateau, which I think he's, yes, becoming the fourth goalie all-time to play 1,000 games alongside Martin Brodeur, Roberto Luongo, and Patrick Waugh as the only other goalies that have played 1,000 games. So uh, congrats to him. 14 games on the NHL schedule tonight. A couple of games that I think will be interesting. Carolina and the Rangers play at 7 o'clock. Tampa Bay and Winnipeg, Winnipeg at 8. Philadelphia, Edmonton at 9. Florida, Arizona also at 9. Toronto and Los Angeles at 10.30. So, yeah, I was not going to list all 14 games. Just take a look at some games that I was interested in watching. So, I'll take a look. At the wildcard standings, the Bruins atop the Atlantic, followed by Florida and Toronto. In the Metro, the Rangers lead the division, followed by Carolina and Philadelphia. And the Islanders and the Lightning are leaders in the wildcard spots at the moment. In the Western Conference, Colorado leads the Central by a single point over Winnipeg and Dallas. And Vancouver, now thanks to Vegas's loss yesterday, they now uh, are in the, lead, in the lead in the Pacific based on percentage points. So they are the leader, Vegas second, and then the Kings third, and then Nashville and Arizona in the wildcard spots in the Western Conference. So I think... Just get to some baseball notes, and then we'll let you let you get out of here. Uh, Frankie Montes agreeing to terms with the Cincinnati Reds, so he's signed Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, signing a two-year deal with the Blue Jays, and Chris Flexen signing a one-year deal with the White Sox. So hopefully the Red Sox become a little bit more active, although I think making some solid moves over the last couple of days, but 
we'll see if they can build off that in the next couple of weeks. So I think that'll do it for me this week. Uh, be on the lookout for Guest Friday later this week. Really looking forward to catching up with a returning guest. Uh, so you'll have that to look forward to on Friday. So have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you then.